0: Hi again, I'm Jack Lessonberry, and welcome or welcome back to Politics and Prejudices, the podcast. This is sort of an evolution of the columns I did and the radio commentaries I did in other forms for many years, so I hope you enjoy and keep listening. You can also catch up with both my writing and any podcast or essays you may have missed on my website and blog, lesenberryinc.com. It's ink as an ink pen, but please settle in, listen, and stay tuned for my signature essay afterwards. So a very interesting topic this year, third parties and this year's very contested and very fascinating election. There's no question that some people blame third parties, especially the Libertarians and the Green Party, for Donald Trump's surprising election four years ago. Six million people nationally voted for either the Green or Libertarian candidates for president, and the difference was far more than Trump's winning margins in most states, including Michigan. The leaders of those parties say, correctly, that they not only do they have as much right as the Republicans or the Democrats to run, They're not running to tip any election. They're running to let people know what they believe in and stand for and to try to win support. Well, how will all that play out this year? Joining us now to talk about their parties in the 2020 campaign are two people who've been down this way before. Jennifer Curland is the Green Party candidate for governor of Michigan in 2018 and polled nearly 30,000 votes. She's now the party's communications director and thinks that despite the conventional wisdom, the Greens may do even better this time, noting that... They have some conservative ideas as well as liberal ones. Jennifer, welcome. Bill, you became the Libertarian Party's candidate for governor two years ago after winning the party's first-ever statewide primary. That was the first primary you folks ever had, wasn't it? It is. And uh, uh, he didn't win the governor's election, but he got a record, nearly 60,000 votes. He's been building the party for years and is a successful business owner in the Grand Rapids area. Bill, thanks for coming down. Thanks for being here today. And the first question I assume that both of you, correct me if I'm wrong, think that Donald Trump has been a disaster as president. If this is the case, doesn't make sense for libertarians and greens to run their own presidential candidates this year. We'll start an old-fashioned chivalry, ladies first. Jennifer, what do you, <laughs> you think, and should you folks be running a candidate for president this year? Absolutely. Well, tell me why. What's um, your reasoning?
1: Well, we are a separate political party. We right. have a separate... You know, belief system. We have separate values. We have separate issues that we campaign on that are not addressed by the other major parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and our presidential candidate actually is really important um, to our party because they are the main person that helps us continue to keep ballot access um, across the country.
0: Okay, but you, would you say that that means that let's let's say, and this is quite possible, mm-hmm. this will come down to a major party race between Donald Trump. And Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. would you say there's not a dime's worth of difference, as George Wallace used to say, between those two folks?
1: Well, there is a difference, but um, there are still problems with Bernie Sanders and his campaign, and I would say it's very likely that he probably won't get the nomination, um, even though he is polling, you know, the best out of all of their, those candidates. Um, but there are, you know, many greens that you know, are not interested in supporting Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders does not share their values. We have different values from Bernie Sanders, including, you know, heavily anti-war. We are very pro, you know, freeing Julian Assange and and the free press, and that's something that hasn't been addressed by any of the Democrat candidates. Um, So there's very important, you know, issues that are not um, addressed by the Democrats, even Bernie Sanders.
0: Bill John, same question for you. Well, I think uh,
2: I would agree agree with a lot of what Jennifer just said. I think it's actually maybe even a little bigger than that, in that the third-party movement across the country has been growing enormously, and I think it speaks volumes to the dissatisfaction with the two major parties. And as long as you know they continue to promote an ideal in our democracy that all we get is these two choices— and they do everything possible to, to, to silence the voices of any alternative thought. Right. Um, you know, for me, the, the real answer becomes uh, advocating for things like ranked choice voting. And I think that's something that we would both agree with. Absolutely. And, and so if, if the Democrats and Republicans want a situation where their standard bearer that gets the most votes or earns the most electoral votes has the opportunity to be the winner, Um, then give us the opportunity through a a process like ranked choice voting to have our voices heard. Because I, I don't agree that our membership would necessarily vote for either one. Um, right. In that we are kind of split the same way. We have different value systems, and probably a third may lean Democrat, a third may lean Republican. If you know the Colt Forty Five test, right? Um, but a third would what's the Colt
0: Forty Five test?
2: Well, that's that, <laughs> in business. You know, we always say, you know, when you're training someone, can you do something? And they say, oh, I, I can't. And when you put the Colt Forty Five up to their head, and suddenly they can do it, we realize it wasn't a question of talent; it was a question of motivation. And you know, that's if you asked like, me to
0: do anything athletic, I'd fail, even with the cold
2: forty nine. Yeah. <laughs> well and, and that's that's the thing about the, our our democracy now is is right. you're you're given these two choices which are put together in very dubious ways. I mean, I think there's been a lot of discussion about how Iowa and New Hampshire are Hardly representative of the the populace of the rest of the country. And yet we may be down to a couple choices pretty quick. And and that's, I think, unfortunate because not only do we not have a choice um, that's realistic, Mm -hmm. and so they're going to get back to that lesser of two evils thing.
0: Or as somebody once said to me, the evil of two lessers. That, the evil uh, yes. they, <laughs> they, Well, Iowa was totally representative of people who are willing to stay in a basement gym on a Monday night for seven or eight hours. I think that's uh, exactly. that's a whole, that's like most people I know, especially people with, with young with young children. Mm-hmm. Oh, people choice who are vote,
1: disabled, et cetera. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, or or people common, like who causes. work.
0: Yes. <laughs> have jobs. Have yeah. jobs. Yes. Ranked choice voting. Let me state uh, what this is, and you folks correct me if I'm wrong. In its simplest form. You would go to the polls, and they have this in a lot of European countries. You would vote for your first choice and your second choice. And then they would add the first choice votes, and if nobody had 50% plus, they would add in the second. Per- so so you could have, for example, let's say that uh, candidate A got uh, um, 45% of the vote in, in the first round, Candid- candidate B got uh, 40%, but more people voted for B in their second choice, B might then win
2: yeah it, usually it's a matter of dropping the lowest ranked right. uh, candidate that's in there uh, and then those those candidates that voted for right. candidate D for example, uh, right. their votes would be recast, and then if sure. nobody's gotten fifty percent, then candidate C would be dropped in the same process. I'm does. in favor of it, but, actually, but only
0: with two places because I think it would drive people would go crazy if they had to vote like, three or four.
1: Yeah, well, days. it's actually very similar to how the caucuses are actually run in Iowa. Right? That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Yeah, you Except know, like, you would do it in up. the
0: privacy of the voting booth exactly. rather than having peer pressure. Yeah, Correct. so
1: we actually have our very first uh, U.S. Senate candidate running in the very first ranked choice vote. For U.S. Senate in Maine, Maine? right now, Lisa Savage. Um, So she is working really hard, and that is that is a winnable race because it is a ranked choice vote. Um, And so you know those kinds of things, especially for third parties, um, allows people to be more expressive, especially when they get hit with all of this fear Mm. of if you don't vote for X, then you're going to get X, right? And then
0: so do you think there are a lot of people who said, you know, I'm kind of attracted to the Greens. I like Jennifer Curlin, but I'm so afraid Bill Schutte going to win that I couldn't vote for him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you, we
0: went through said, that. Right. I mean, I've mean,
1: i had people tell me that,
2: when, yeah. when I, My name was in the, in the Detroit News poll, and I got 7%. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the election, it wasn't nowhere near that. You no, know, 1.3, and, and, I
0: think. Yeah. Right.
2: and that's because, uh, it, which, you know, for me is still, you know, I, I'm very proud of the fact it was a record for right. not only our party, but other than uh, uh, the, right. the Tisch party, we did the best ever in the state. And, and what it comes back to is the fear factor, mm-hmm. you know, and I had people who spoke to me and said, you know, I, I, really like what you stand for and I'd like to vote for you, but I really can't stand Jennifer, uh, either Bill, Bill right. Schutte or, or Gretchen Whitmer. Right. And so they end up going back to the lesser of two evils and
0: rather than being able to actually stand on some of the issues that we felt were really important. There are people who think that, cause they've told me so that the greens are more extreme Democrats. The libertarians are more extreme Republicans.
2: <laughs> yeah. Speak to
0: speak to that from your side. Yeah, I I,
2: I I don't know how Jennifer would want to characterize the Greens, and I and I think one of the things that I've tried to not do as a candidate is characterize other people's ideas. Right. Um, the Libertarian Party is certainly a, a more unusual philosophical amalgam of people that come from both the left and the right, and so uh, when I'm speaking to groups that, that look at it and say, well, you guys are just like the Republicans, and I say, well, I don't know that a lot of Republicans are advocating for drug liberalization, um, for prison reform, a lot of the, the ideas that come more from the left. And at the same time, you know, when I speak to other groups, they say, oh, you're just like the Democrats. And I said, well, I don't know many Democrats that are advocating for getting rid of the income tax right. and a lot of the other um, big government things, uh, subsidies. You, you may know I was a big advocate for getting rid of pure Michigan. Right. And this is a, a program that's had support unusually from the Chamber of Commerce and a lot of the union groups.
0: So, it's okay, so how are the Greens, you are saying, you're alluding to the fact that, Greens were different than Bernie Sanders, who, calls, mm-hmm. who admits he's a socialist. Um, the parody of the Greens, you know, I, I asked the last two days I was in, in restaurants, and I asked people, what do you think of the Greens, what do you think of the Libertarians? The libertarians somebody said the Libertarians, oh, they're a bunch of spoiled rich people who read too much Ayn Rand. And the Greens, <laughs> oh, the no. Greens are a bunch of environmental fruitcakes who would rather everybody starve and didn't have a job than the grass got mowed. So so at the most extreme, that's what people think.
1: That's so funny. Um, You know, so the Green Party, we have 10 key values that are the values that drive our party. Um, You know, one of them is feminism. One Mm -hmm. of them is social justice. Mm -hmm. So those are, you know, typically what people consider Democrat values. Um, And we certainly, in many cases, are more extreme in those opinions in terms of equal pay, equal rights, equity, um, as well as reparations. Those are things that fall under those Um, that certainly are more to the left of the Democrats. But then we also have things like decentralization and community-based economics, which really are more conservative values um, about small local government and that small government should have more power than the state government. State government should have more power than, you know, federal government, Republicans used to
0: stand for that, but they they don't seem to anymore.
1: Yes. Um, The Green Party, our values are actually based on um, communalism, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure that, Um, You know small communities have the ability to take care of themselves um, on their own Um, And then we have you know laws that govern us that need to be governed in terms of like having equity and fair pay And you know that women have the same rights as men etc. Especially black women um, So you know it's one of those things that in some ways yes We are more left of the Democrat Party, but in other ways, you know we're not when you look at the the box Mm-hmm. Of, <laughs> you know your political spectrum um we are definitely you know kind of in that bottom left um box
0: how do you get your ideas out bill well any number of ways including this um you know i thought you came here because of my good looks but that's all well, right i heard before
2: uh, t- <laughs> c- certainly every opportunity that i've had um not just only as a candidate but over the years having been an activist two time sure. chairman of the party Um, I have a good fortune because I do have my own business that I I do have the opportunity to set my schedule more than some other people have. Um, but throughout the party, I mean, you know, one of the things, and, and quite often we end up having that contrast with the green party because those are two voices that are out there that have built significant followings over the years, um, and, you know, our focus on individual liberty has brought us people from, you know, a more eclectic background, right. I think. And the, the notion, you know, uh, that we're all a bunch of spoiled rich people is, is kind of amusing because most of the people I know are, are much more grassroots oriented. And and I think one of the the more important contrasts that I've tried to make, um, I think of that character from the Patriot, the main character, um, the Mel Gibson character, Mel Gibson yeah. character, um, who was they were trying to attempt to bring him into the fight in the Revolutionary War. Didn't want anything to do
0: with it? Those sons were attacked.
2: Correct, and and you know he is talking to the the local group, and he's saying, you know, I would no more have, um, you know, right now I have one one despot that's 3,000 miles away and you would have me trade that for 3,000 despots a mile away. And this, this idea of, of rejecting individual liberty and not giving individuals the choice to do the things that they want right. to do. And that's, I think that's one of the big contrasts is that uh, where the green party and the, the libertarian party may agree on certain things. It's how you get there that where the difference lies is that we don't believe that government generally is the solution to many of those things. And, uh, and, and as far as myself, I've often feel that, you know, the real test of character is those to the extent to which you disagree with your own party. And I've got a number of things that I ran on that I felt were important opportunities to say, here's
0: where we could work with others to make changes. So you're not, not a monolith. The libertarians aren't like, you know, the Stalinists, that, you know, here's what libertarians have to believe, comrade. So you have dissension within your own party.
2: Well, absolutely, I mean, it's like Will Rogers said. You know, um, I don't belong to an organized political party. I'm a libertarian. Literally. I think you said Democrat, but that's that's. I, it. I understand. He, that he's is. dead, so I can't <laughs> refute him. Paraphrasing.
0: You know, in in Europe, I was in the Europe in Europe and for some time in the 1990s, mm-hmm. and in Germany where the Green Party was, yeah. was still quite strong, they were divided between what were called the realos and the Fundies. Mm-hmm. And the realos were people who said, well, we have to make accommodation with the system the way it is, and the Fundamentalists is, no, we're going to be pure. Mm-hmm. Does that split exist in the American Green Party?
1: You know, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily, like, a split in the Green Party, but the Green Party definitely houses people that have a lot of varying beliefs. You know, there are people who lean communist, who are Greens, but we don't have communist ideals and our party platform actually. I thought you had to
0: go to the museum to see. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, But our platform is against state sponsored socialism. Right. So, so that's not something we believe in, but there are people who do believe in that, that also believe in a lot of our ideals. Um, So we are, you know, I I don't, I don't want to say big tent because I know that's what the Democrats like to say about themselves, but we are a tent where people who believe in things like peace environmentalism, um, you know, public services, um, ensuring that we have, you know, equal rights and
0: equity. You see rights. Bill nodding. Do you mean the libertarians aren't against all those things? Well, I, I think that
2: the, <laughs> the, 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 the biggest problem I see in terms of my interactions with the media is sort of the desire to characterize what a libertarian is. Right. And, and again, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, there is a Rand wing of the party. I think that maybe more, you know, the party of principle, that's their, that's our tagline. Um, it's and, easier than
0: thinking we like to give you a label and stick it on the wall and yeah, it, yeah.
2: I, and, and i think gary johnson had it correct and there were a lot of uh, even people in the party who felt that gary wasn't strong enough or you know this was ju- your presidential presidential candidate, candidate in 2016 you bet but i think you know talking about generally speaking more conservative economic principles freedom oriented principles together with social tolerance issues and and so you have that that area in which we do have intersection with the Green Party and even to some extent the Democrat and the Republican Party, Um, we we have an anarchist wing. Um, I've never been an endorser of that. Um, I think that, that that speaks to not having a political party at all or a government or anything. And yet some of those people house themselves within the Libertarian Party.
1: I like to joke that the Libertarians are a little bit anarchist. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, well, the Dallas Accord, which is one of the more fundamental documents that they like to wave around. About. What is the
0: Dallas Accord? For the, the Dallas
2: Accord goes back to 1974. the The party really came about. And and was formed as a result of uh, Richard Nixon instituting wage and price controls, and so a group of people got together and said, you know, these the, the Rand wing and some of these minimalists, um, and they said, you know, we're all real small right now, so let's have a peace treaty with the anarchists, and that's what the Dallas Accord accomplished. Is I think seventy
0: two is your first presidential candidate, if I'm ever correct. Correct,
2: and 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 over the years, I think we've tried to, um, and and I think folks like Harry Brown who. Really bring us forward and now Gary Johnson who um, I think stepped outside of the political arena being a Republican Um, And and yet again our value system is such that we attract from both sides and and for people who just believe in doing their own thing and Not having government uh, create strictures that cause those problems And and again, I think that there's a practical wing of the party. Um, I would put myself in that group Um, I call myself a, a public square libertarian And, you know, what that means is, um, you know, when you're in your king of the castle, you know, when when a a man or a woman are in their home, they do as they wish. They really shouldn't be subject to people telling them what to do or how to behave. Um, They can even be prejudiced if they choose. Um, But once you you, you hang out a shingle, um, then I think you're more subject to what would be commonly perceived agreement of what is acceptable behavior, which is why. You know, I endorse the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Rand Paul does not. Um, you know, he's someone who says, oh, no, people can be as prejudiced as they want and we'll let the market fix it. That doesn't work in a lot of small towns. And so um, I think that there's a role. And, you know, where I bucked my own party, for example, was um, something I think you would agree on is extending uh, LBGT protection uh, under Elliot Larson here in Michigan, which is the Michigan Civil Rights right. Act. And, and so... There would be disagreement in our party about that. Um, you know, they haven't thrown me out as a result yet. Well, here's, here's, a, here's something. <laughs> That's a huge
1: thing in the Green Party as well. Yes. Yeah.
0: Here's a, the big <clears throat> problem that both of you face, and this is just sort of a, a this was not a conspiracy, this is how the, our system was created. Um, I can see, I, I can foresee circumstances where you could actually have a third party independent person getting elected president. That could happen. That could, If Ross Perot hadn't been crazy, that could have happened. But... Then they're going to face a Congress that's full of Republicans, 535 Republicans and Democrats. And how do you, and you've been spectacularly unsuccessful. You've been a stray legislator or two. I don't know if the Greens have ever elected anybody to a state legislature or not. Um, yes, but,
1: but not in Michigan. But
0: not in Michigan. But but you haven't been successful At the bottom levels, the grassroots level.
1: Yeah. We have some mayors and we have five elected officials in Michigan right now. Um I mean I served on my local school board. But it's a
0: very minimalist.
1: We've got over, you know, one to two hundred people in office. Are you making progress? Yeah, we have eight hundred. Absolutely.
0: Libertarians have eight
2: hundred. Several partisan positions. Um, we have lots of nonpartisan positions here in Michigan. Mm -hmm. I think we've got thirteen or fourteen that serve Mm -hmm. in city councils or school boards and this sort of thing. Um, and and on the margin, you may even see over the arc of 40 years, there has been progress. Mm-hmm. The, the question is, you know, um, how many generations do we have to live with the kind of corrupt system that we have until right. we break it? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've identified ranked choice voting as one of the things that can help break the system. Because the right? system is
1: designed yeah. to keep
2: us out Absolutely.
1: Of, of the process and our voices, exactly. out of, you know, the media and things right. like that, which is why it's so nice to be here with you, Jack, because... You know, I'm sure that you had the same issue Absolutely. that I did, Bill. That you know, we would be campaigning and sending out press releases,
0: and and, and, and they wouldn't
1: get printed. They would get ignored. Just but then, ignored. you know, they'd do you know weird things about the oh, Republicans
0: yeah. and the Democrats. Yeah. Out there. I, and they would ask you which I had to ask you like, why Why are you even in here? You're going to uh, you're to wreck the you're gonna, Unproperly influence the election and you know, mm-hmm. mess it up. And, but it was, coming back to that, Jill's dying at 1.4 million votes nationally, mm-hmm. 51,000, more than any Green ever got.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now everybody is so, I mean, there, there, no, there are no moderate views of Donald Trump. You either love him or you hate him, as far as I can tell. He's
1: very polarizing. He's very
0: polarizing. Yeah. Thank you. You said it much better than I did. How are you going to have a candidate get that kind of margin again?
1: You know, I mean, like we were saying before, right. our presidential nominee convention is actually here right. in Detroit this year, July 9th, 12th are at Wayne State University. At Wayne State University. We're very excited to host. Um, we have, um, at last count, eight or nine candidates that are currently running for our nomination. Mm. We have two officially recognized candidates, candidates that have re- you know, reached certain thresholds that the party has set. Some of our other candidates are, are catching up as well. We potentially have a third officially recognized candidate happening right now. Um, it's an officially
0: recognized candidate. So
1: they have to have a certain number of donations. They have to have an active website, have to be filing with the FEC, have to have raised a certain amount of money. Um, you know, really just making sure, because with a third party, sometimes you get people that just decide they want to try to get your nomination and put their name out there and say that right. they're part of your party, and they're not.
0: Has, <laughs> has Vermin Supreme really uh, your uh, party? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was <laughs> going to say, the libertarian <laughs> field so far spans everybody from Lincoln, Chafe, who had been both a Democrat and a Republican, Statewide official in Rhode Island and now lives in Wyoming and has become a libertarian to a man called vermin Supreme, who wears a boot on his head and uh, his platform is re- Passing a law requiring everybody to brush their teeth. I mean that not doesn't mean there's not nuts <laughs> in both parties and uh, but You don't have Gary Johnson had been governor of New Mexico. This he had He had run twice He got more than a million votes the first time and got four and a half million last time close to that you don't have a candidate with that stature that I can see out there.
2: Well, not that's jumped into the race yet. Right. Um, the way I, I, you know, I went to my first national convention, you, despite having been involved for 25 years, you know, raising family and everything, it just didn't seem to work out. Sure. But having been elected chair again that year, it seemed important for me. Um, I was involved in the Gary Johnson debacle in 2012 where our criminal, uh, secretary of state at the time prevented him from being on the ballot, but right. that's commentary. Um, I went down didn't get about
0: 7000 writing votes or so. He did. I think. Yeah.
2: And uh, we had 17 candidates on the ballot in Orlando and uh, only six of them were allowed to be nominated. And the way that works is the delegates, each of them had a token. and If they reached a certain threshold, then you got the opportunity to participate. And of course, Vermin Supreme didn't make the stage. Uh, we had six pretty serious candidates. Uh, Austin Peterson, who has gone on to run uh, for the United States Senate in Missouri. Um, and um, John McAfee, you know, the famous uh, software designer. The, the point being that the party tends to attract people who have a different view of what politics should be for, mm-hmm. and uh, with the emphasis on individual liberty. And, you know, looking at the 2020 election, I don't know that I yet see someone. Um, it's certainly possible that Justin Amash, who is uh, now independent congressman, um, someone that I've had the opportunity to run against. <laughs> um, and, you ran um,
0: against him when he was running as a Republican. Correct, correct.
2: And, and, and I'm of the belief, and Jennifer uh, enunciated this well early, is that you don't improve your brand by not having people run. Right. And so I imagine there's going to be a Libertarian candidate, um, and I think many people will evaluate where that person stacks up relative to what Gary Johnson did. Um, I think what's important is to continue to break the system. Um, and I'm really proud of the fact that uh, in 2016, you know, uh, Gary got 172,000 votes here in Michigan, which was, you know, well beyond the 9,000 margin. Right. And uh, I got a call from the head, of as, you know, someone who is the sitting chair of the party, I got a call from the Democratic Party and they were, incredibly angry at us for having done what we did and I said oh you mean like exercise our democratic right to participate in the electoral system um, I, I mean i we say that almost glibly from the democratic party the from time. the democratic party yeah they were they were really they're so
1: much angrier angry. about third parties than republicans are that's what i found well, I, just as much. did um, they
0: yell at you too um you
1: know, they haven't yelled at me mm-hmm. um but or at your i've, party chair, I've, I I've say. gotten um no, not our party chair, but we've gotten veiled threats.
0: <laughs> yeah. What kind of threats?
1: Um, just more of, you know, people that are, you know, telling you that, you know, if you do these kinds of things or you run these people against these people, then this is going to happen yeah. and that, that, that. And Both
2: so, parties do this. Yeah. Uh, I, I can tell you, I think the Republicans are better at holding their team together. So yes. they actually mm-hmm. liberalized the law that allows for more third parties um, and that, activity has created more of, a, of a, a jam where together with gerrymandering, the Republicans have been able to hold on to both the, the Senate and the House here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to break now that the Proposal 2 passed. Yeah, and but, I think
1: the other thing too, especially against you guys, Bill, is the issue that in 2018 when Bill was running and they finally were able to have a primary, they made sure that all of the primary ballots, instead of having separate ballots so that the Libertarians would be able to get that information from the Secretary of State of who pulled the Libertarian ballot, they put it on one ballot. Interesting. And this year,
0: Just for March, right. we're
1: back to, to actually three yeah. ballots locally because there's some you know, nonpartisan ballots for some right. local... Um, like the DIA millage and things like that. Now, but... why was
0: there a Libertarian primary in 2018 but not in 2020?
2: Well, the way the, the state law works is that your status as to being, uh, you know, we, we sort of inappropriately... Import the word major party because I think it sounds good um, <laughs> We were primary qualified and that came a, as a result of Gary Johnson getting more than 5% of what the number was Of the Secretary of State's race, which is considered more generic, I right. guess mm-hmm. and so
0: um but I got 5% of the total votes cast for Secretary of State in the previous election, the previous election. Yeah,
2: so in 2014 that number was uh, 140,040 which right. I think will be tattooed on my gravestone Um, That was our goal. I mean, our goal was to break the system and, and it had been done several times before. Um, by different parties, um, you know, we've been through the, the American independent
0: party with, uh, governor the Wallace. Party, you meant the Tish party the tish it wasn't party. a party. This this Tish, it, it was, it, was, it was, was a bizarre drain commissioner. I knew him from Shaw, yeah. County who, who had a tax issue and he ran once for governor and got that threshold, but it wasn't a true party. No, no. And,
2: and neither was the reform party. Right. Um, e- each of these were built around cults of personality, right. which is the same with, with George Wallace. Right. Which is why, um, you know, we thought maybe there might be a chance to overcome that because we right. do have affiliates all over the state quite a bit uh, further following. And I think had the media not really beat the drum of how close the race was between Gretchen Whitmer and Bill Schuette, I think we would have done considerably better. Um but but as it was, you know, Bob Tish, which is a former Republican, is the only right. one who ever got more votes for governor than I did. Right. That, that was a, not from a Democrat or Republican party. And, and you know, at the end of the day, I think we did a lot of good things and we were able to um, make a lot more connections. Um, I don't see it as a singular process. Um, you know, I'm not personally intending to run for, again. But I do think um, going forward, advocating for issues is really important. Um, and many of the things that I spoke about in 2018, I mean, I've got legislation in front of me here.
0: Jennifer, if I went to a shopping mall this afternoon and said, uh, "How?" Ask people, "Are you totally satisfied with the Republican, or the Democratic parties?" I, unless somebody was on their payroll, the answer would probably always be no. Oh, absolutely. So, but then, but they still get, you know, 90 plus percent of the vote every time. How does somebody? If somebody's interested in the Green Party, if they think that there's a way they can make a difference, mm-hmm. how do they find out?
1: Um, You know, I think the major way, especially for, you know, third parties, that we can make a difference is locally, in local elections. So our focus right now, um, in Wayne County specifically, is to find people to run for county commission and state rep. Because, especially in Wayne County, and I'm sure this is, you know, similar in other places across, uh, you know, the state. Why
0: Wayne County so much as opposed to Oakland or Macomb?
1: Um, well, I mean, we do have candidates running in in Oakland County, and um, we may or may not have some candidates in Macomb. We're still we have a couple people we're talking to right now, um, but it's because in Wayne County, especially in these local elections, generally Republicans stay out of those local elections because they're not electable. So they don't even recruit people to run for those offices. Right. Which means that when people who aren't interested in either party who don't vote in the primary when they show up in November, they have zero choices. Mm-hmm. They have one person on the ballot, right. and that's it. Um, and so we are working to change that um, in Wayne County. So anyone, um, you know, we're currently recruiting, so anyone who's watching, um, if they are interested in running for office, you can contact me um, on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. All of my handles are at Kurland4MI, so the number 4 Mi Is There's our
0: website as well?
1: You can go to GPM... It's the uh, Green Party of Michigan, so migreenparty.org. That is our website. Um, but, you know, so you can register and become a member of the party there, but we don't have a, a spot to say, right. you know, I want to well, run for can you for find
0: office. out? But uh, Let me ask Bill first. Somebody thinks, you know, some of the, what this guy is saying doesn't sense to me, but I'm not sure if I pass a litmus test to be a libertarian. How can they find out if they do? Well, I don't
2: think there is a litmus test, first of all. And uh, so I would encourage uh, someone first to go to uh, MichiganLP.org mm-hmm. and um, you can sign up to, to interest in running for office. You can find out a lot about the party. There's certainly all kinds of documentation of things that we've, we've supported. In Say movement. that website again for it's MichiganLP.org. Great. And, and otherwise, I encourage people to come to my site, which is liberty, the number four, gov. .org, um, which I intend to hand off to somebody at some point. Um, <laughs> we we use that brand. Um, we we thought that out to think you know maybe that would come up with some usefulness, because I found having run for office a number of times, how many people are using websites. You know they would still ask me, is this your website? No, that was my website four years ago. Right. And so we wanted to come up with a way to kind of pass that along. and, and in both cases, I think what I've tried to do is be a, a, a lightning rod to give people someone to talk to. Um, I, you know, one of the things that I really worked hard with my team, um, and we still got about 40 people working together um, who are advocating for certain things that are in the legislature. Um, we're trying to become a voice for some of the voiceless issues that are out there, like the problems with the uh, uh, CPS. Um, CPS. Um, the, 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 the office in, here in Michigan that takes care of
0: Children's children Protective Services. Okay, as long as we could stand for consumer product. Yeah, no, so no, that's why I no, to Children's Protective Services. Um, I agree. Both of you are politicians in one way. You speak in acronyms. Yes. The average, human, <laughs> the average human doesn't do acronyms. And, and that yeah. spe- shows
2: that we've become too comfortable talking right. to the bureaucracy. Yeah. and uh, But but certainly I've, I've been a 25-year advocate for father's rights in divorce. Um, um, I... I think I was the singular party out there uh, advocating for the Michigan National Guard in 2018, and I, I, they have a bill in the legislature, uh, t- uh, 5320, that I encourage people to go read. It's 19 whole lines, which certainly adv- you know challenges the reading capabilities of a lot of Americans. What, is, but, what,
0: what does this bill do?
2: Uh, what this bill does is it protects. Um, it, it actually uh, changes the Michigan Military Act to. Uh, order the governor not to cooperate with either a president of either party and and this deals with we've had De- Re- Democrats and Republicans who have put the Michigan National Guard into a theater of war without a declaration of war by Congress and and it, it's a violation of u.s code as well but the this, Constitution
0: does say Congress has the power to declare war Congress mm-hmm. has the
2: power and so this is the state legislature both Democrats and Republicans co-sponsored including um, a a uh, Representative from the Detroit area, who is a serving member uh, of the Michigan National Guard, who are 19 whole lines. It basically says, unless you have these conditions, you may not put these people into a theater of war.
0: So they could not be sent to Iraq, say, or
2: Afghanistan. Correct. Having I or Iran. Right. Yeah. When I was good point. When I was uh, uh, in, I had a different position a number of ten years ago. Um, I was a building manager, and one of the things that I did was raise and lower the flag each time the governor of Michigan ordered it done so. And it had a real severe impact on me to say, you know, if I was ever in a position to advocate for a change, I would do that. And so I made that one of the issues that I talked about, and I'm really proud of the fact that Democrats and Republicans have been moved by that enough to, to sponsor a bill. And uh, so we have a, a you know, someone that I see as a pretty conservative uh, Republican, Steve Johnson, together with uh, David Legrand, who is a pretty liberal Democrat, coming together on something that they agreed we should, we should slow the horses down and really check executive power. And whether it's Donald Trump or someone else, we need to make sure that the power resides in Congress and not in the president to so just simply
0: do whatever they want. Jennifer, Congress
1: actually has the power to do, but they have, you know, failed. Not, act. Yeah.
0: Well, what happened? You know, at this time of the great nuclear scare, they thought, "My God, if the Russians launch nuclear weapons, it won't be time for us?" So we have to cede this power to mm-hmm. the president. And that hasn't happened. But various presidents have engaged in various military adventures, and they've sent National Guard troops. To
1: well, and these. the executive powers were expanded under Obama. Right. Um, and they have continued that expansion under Trump, um, both, you know, Democrats and Republicans have voted to keep those expanded powers. Sure. Um, so, you know, it's really, that, that's where the two major parties um, final, you know, are the same, sure. pretty much.
0: Well, final question. I can mm-hmm. envision that among the, at least 200 million people who will be watching this podcast, <laughs> that you may have some young people who say, you know what, it's kind of intriguing what Jennifer said. I am kind of like what the Greens stand for, but mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I... I have to vote for a Democrat for president. I can't risk Donald Trump getting back in. Mm -hmm. Would you, can people like that still be green or will you throw them out?
1: Absolutely. You know, because here's the thing you can vote however you want. You know, we don't, we we advocate for grassroots democracy and and free and fair elections. But here's the thing you can vote for president however you want if you are afraid of Donald Trump. But vote green down ballot, Mm -hmm. vote for our candidates that are running for your local House seats. For your local county commission seats, because these are the people that really have a lot of power to make real change on the local level, and that's extremely important. You're director um, of
0: communications for the party. Now, I, am, I think I yes. neglected to mention that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the thing too, you know, when we think about you know the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans, um, both parties are responsible for what happened in Flint, and Flint still today does not have access to clean, safe drinking water, and the issues of, of clean water. Across Michigan and the issues of PFAs, et cetera, that is only expanding across the state. And the Democrats and the Republicans, neither of them have solutions for that.
0: Hmm. Bill, any final words? Anything you want people to know that we haven't talked about? Well, I
2: I think that one of the things that uh, Jennifer brought up that I think is really important is that we get engaged. Um, It's just become too easy to say, well, there's nothing I can do about that. Um, I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that I've gotten my family, lots of people to look at issues and, and to realize that you can make change if you get involved and, and try to make things better. Um, I, I do think we need to look at a more substantial change in our democracy. Um, I don't want to keep beating the drum for fi- ranked, choice, ranked voting. choice voting. But but there's so many other things that we need to do to restore some kind of civility in our
0: politics. Could um, Michigan adopt ranked choice voting without a constitutional amendment? I'm not sure it could. No, I'm not sure I, it could. I think it
1: I, needs a constitutional At least movement. a
0: state, constitutional, or federal? Yes, state. state. State's
2: easier to guess Yeah, Yeah, and and certainly I, I, I find, you know, we talked about Maine, um, parts of Utah are using it, and mm-hmm. I, I thought, interestingly, the federal court stepped in in St. Clair Shores where uh, there were, there's a lawsuit about the ward system in Saint Clair Shores, and the federal court actually instituted ranked choice voting as the solution. <laughs> and so it really there just, are
1: small communities across the country that absolutely have um,
2: too. it it you know and they got all kinds of things. It, it passed in Ferndale about 15 right. years ago, but they didn't use it. Well, they didn't use it because the state told the them state, they couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they they said you don't have the voting machines, and, and you know, there's all these different reasons. And the fact is, is that whether it's a political party or your church. Most of the people in our country are familiar with the idea of building toward consensus. And I think that's something that, you know, even within the party I've taken a hit for is the idea that, you know, we're not going to live in a society that, you know, Ayn Rand or anyone else built. We all work together and, and there's a certain commonality. And I think there is a place where we can get together in the middle and say, this is what our democracy should look like. And that may be where we look at what's happened over the last several years at the federal level and said... That's not what we want our country to be like. And so having more conversation, more opportunity to say, what do we agree on instead of what do we need to fight about? Why don't really you two get about.
0: together and push for a ballot initiative to get ranked choice voting?
1: There it actually it. is an organization out there right now. Yeah, that is and, doing and,
2: it and we've talked with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do think it is, is really important to get people who really believe we need to change our democracy together on something. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be pro-green, pro-libertarian, or pro-taxpayers or anyone else. It really comes down to pro pro good government and having a, a more inclusive participatory government. Pro and we, representative government. Yeah, and and we really don't have that now. No. Most of the most of the races in the state are uh, decided during the primaries because of the way sure. they're drawn. And and you know we've we've gone and we had ninety people on the ballot in the last election cycle. Mm-hmm. We we have more than everybody else together, and so. It's been our purpose to intentionally be in those races that are the closest because, you know, throwing mm-hmm. your, your your shoes into the machinery is a good thing because if the if the system is broken, you need to point that out. And that's been a big part of why we do what we do. We, we did a David Letterman top 10 list of reasons why you should vote for the Libertarian Party, and my favorite was the number one, and that was... Just to upset your parents. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's always a good idea. Well, uh, well, this has been fascinating. I don't think anyone who's been watching, watching or listening to us today will ever think that third parties are just spoilers again. I'd like to thank Jennifer Curlin and Bill Jelma for making time for this podcast thank today. Thank you.
2: I'd nice also to like to here. thank
0: those who have contributed to help these podcasts going, including the Reverend Pat Thompson from Macomb County. If you too would like to help, I'd be thrilled if you could send a contribution to me via PayPal on my blog, listenberryinc.com, Inc. is an ink pen, or via snail mail to the Zing Media Group, 186 North Main Street in Plymouth, or message me on my Facebook or via my blog for more details. And... If you check out my blog and subscribe to these broadcasts, I can tell you the price is right. It's absolutely free. So listen to more episodes. Feel free to send me a message, and I hope I'll see you again. This is Jack Lesenberry. Stand by for my uh, signature essay coming up, and I hope I'll see you again soon. Most politicians, Republicans and Democrats anyway, take a dim view of the very idea of third-party candidates or independent candidates. Republicans are pretty sure that H. Ross Perot cost George Bush his re-election in 1992. Democrats believe they know that Ralph Nader, if Ralph Nader hadn't been on the ballot in Florida as the Green Party's candidate in 2000, Al Gore would have won. These things both might be true, but so what? Voters are not children. Those who voted for Nader or Perot or for Gary Johnson or Jill Stein clearly had their reasons under the Constitution, their reasons are as valid as those of anyone else for voting for whomever. Third parties have, throughout our history, often been the incubators of ideas that were later adopted by one or the other of the major parties. But the fact is that our system does work to discriminate against third parties. This happens in two ways. First, many people, as we've said, who might be inclined to vote for a Libertarian or Green or another candidate, change their mind at the end because if they fear if they do, the worst of two major party candidates might win. So they hold their noses and vote for what they believe is the lesser of two evils, or as Jeffrey Feigert once said to me, the less evil of two lessers. My educated guess is that Bill Jelenault and Jennifer Curlin would both have gotten far more votes for governor two years ago, except for this. Liberal voters wanted, come hell or high water, to prevent Republican Bill shooting from being elected. Some anti-abortion conservatives, on the other hand, wanted to stop Gretchen Whitmer, and both sides thought the election would be close. Well, it wasn't. Whitmer won by 400,000 votes. I think if voters had known that, a lot more would have been inclined to escape the two-party straitjacket. There's another problem any third-party candidate for statewide or national office would face if somehow they won. Let's say Ross Perot had been elected president in 1992, something that for a time actually seemed possible until he revealed that he was crazy. He would have faced a Congress full of Democrats and Republicans, all of whom wanted to bring him down. Unless he affiliated with one party or another or somehow managed to build a coalition, his powers would have been limited to arranging the flowers on his desk. Creating a true new national party capable of contending for seats in Congress and the legislatures would take more money than even Michael Bloomberg has. The only way I can see around that would be to change the system to allow proportional representation. But... There is an easy way to allow people to vote third party that shouldn't get the major parties in too much of a city, of a tizzy, ranked choice, or as sometimes called independent run, individual runoff voting. In its simplest form, voters would be allowed to designate a first or a second choice. If no voter got, a, no candidate got a majority of the popular vote, the second choice vote would be counted. Let's say Whitmer had gotten 45% of first round votes and second percent of second choice, which is probably fairly realistic, she'd have been declared the winner. But the politicians would see the true number of voters who preferred libertarian policies, say, or green policies, and just might adjust their actions and policies accordingly. we would also have more of a true democracy. This is Jack Lesenberry. Thanks for watching and listening. Hope to see you again soon.